Well, thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We're especially glad if you're here and you don't consider yourself a church person, a religious person. And if you are new or relatively new, we have a free gift to thank you for being with us today. So simply text the word WELCOME to 410-216-5534. I will get to the tent in a few minutes, so don't worry, we'll get there. But uh, now you can just have your curiosity going. Well, we are wrapping up our series on transitions. This is the fifth and final week of our series. And we've been saying throughout the course of this series that transitions are a part of life. And God wants to be with us in our transitions and through every phase of a transition. And we talked about the three phases of transitions, that there is an ending. Something comes to an end, whether it's a middle school career, high school career, a college career, whether it's a job or a family situation or your, your whole career, something comes to an end. The second phase is that in-between time, before the new thing starts or before you adjust to the new way of life. And then the third phase is a new beginning. As those great theologians, the band Semisonic sang, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know this, but I learned this this week, that that actually is from the philosopher Seneca. So uh, an, an ending, a, the new beginning comes from some other ending. Then last week we talked about the uh, idea of bringing transitions into our normal everyday life or into the rhythm of our lives. Our culture, our society, we know one word, Go. Go, 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 go. And technology will push us, push us, push us. So we need to learn to bring in pause and transitions into the rhythm of our, our yearly, our weekly, our daily lives. Uh, so today as we wrap up, we're going to look at the ultimate transition. But before going there, I uh, just want to share a personal note. Uh, today is my wedding anniversary. Um, so they clapped last night, so I was just waiting. So anyway... I wasn't inviting the clap, but last night they clapped and it surprised me, so I just was waiting, pausing. So anyway, uh, my wife, me, and I uh, were married on June 13th, 1998, so we've been happily married for 20 years. Yeah, no, no, some of you are doing the math. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's more than 20. Right. Happily married for 23 years. Ah, uh, not so happy, but, uh, ooh, I know. Some of you are like, is he going to get in trouble for that? Um, I asked my wife if I could make that joke because I think it's funny. None of you think it's funny, but I thought it's funny. And in uh, any case, I asked my wife, do you mind if I make that joke? And she said, yeah. And then in fact, she's like, yeah, it reminds me of Mark and Laura's wedding. So some friends of ours. So at, at Mark and Laura's wedding, Mark's brother got up to give the toast at the reception. And he, he started off by saying this, that Mark went to our dad and said he was afraid of dying. He, he feared death. What should he do? And our dad said to him, well, Mark, get married, and every day will feel like an eternity. So, and at our, our table, every guy was laughing hysterically, and the women, they were not laughing, except for my wife, Mia, and that's why I love her so much, and she, she remembered that joke, so, and love her for that and many other reasons. But anyway, that toast is a reminder, or again, a transition to what we're talking about today, which is death and our fear of death. And this whole life is one big transition to the next life. You know, there's life, then death, then hopefully new life. And this whole world is, a, again, a transition. Our whole life is a transition from this life to the next. We are on it. Life is a journey, not a destination. We are all on pilgrimage. Now, this topic can raise a lot of fear. 
And I think that's been shown over the last year that in this COVID crisis, there, we already knew it was a fear of death in our culture, but it has been exacerbated over the last year. And while we work to look prolong life and we work to bring healing through modern medicine, and of course we should, with all the advancements in modern medicine, the, the death rate, the mortality rate in our country and our world remains at exactly 100%. You will die. As the monks would say to each other, brother, remember your death. Or as that great theologian Jim Morrison from the doors said, no one gets out of here alive. You will die. And I know what you're thinking. I am so glad I came to church today to hear that. All right. And for those of you who are watching online, it's like, I'm so glad I tuned in. And you're thinking, all right, you know, for the people in the building and the church, like to, to get up and walk out now, it's like, ah, I don't want to be seen. But for you online, it's just like, I can just click the button. I don't have to listen to any more of this. Before you do that, though, let me share with you a few thoughts. First of all, tuning me out does not change that fact. And second of all, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now, let me just remind you that growth is always outside of your comfort zone. And so I hope to help you grow today. And if on a scale of one to five, your comfort with this topic is like a negative 10, I hope to move you a little bit towards like a negative seven. Or if you're a one, on a scale of one to five, you're a one to two to make you a little bit more comfortable with this topic because what Christianity says about this topic is incredibly comforting. In fact, if you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, I mean, this is one of the best news we have as Christians, that our biggest problem as human beings is death, and Jesus, through his resurrection, has solved it for us because Jesus rose, we too will rise. And if you're not a Christian, this is a good reason to consider it. I mean, I think there's a ton of great reasons to follow Jesus, but it's worth following Jesus for this reason alone, the good news about this topic. So to help us look a little bit at this topic today, we're going to be looking at Paul's letter, his second letter to the Corinthians. Now, Paul wrote two letters to the Corinthians that we have in our scripture, in our Bible. Uh, the Corinthians were people from Corinth which is located in Greece, so you can see it's in the, in the Mediterranean Sea. And so Paul writes two letters to the Corinthians that we have in the scriptures. And in both those letters to the Corinthians, Paul stares down death. And it's death, not Paul, that flinches. And so here's what he writes in one part of the second letter to the Corinthians. He says this, we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed every day. See, Paul looks at his body, and he sees it deteriorating. He sees it getting worse. He says when he sees suffering in his body from his body deteriorating, he doesn't lose heart. Why? Because while his outer person, his body is wasting away, his inner man or his inner spirit is being renewed every day. You know, when we look at the deterioration of our bodies, we can lose heart. You know, you know personally, I, I like to run, or I used to like to run a lot more, but I, I don't enjoy it so much anymore because I run so slow. I'm, I'm so frustrated. I feel like I'm running in, in slow motion. I'm just getting older, and I don't run like I could. I was never fast, but I'm even slower now. 
You might look at something in your body that's not healing or uh, your body just slowing down and you're like, you're tempted to lose heart. Or maybe you look at someone you love and you see their health or their body deteriorating and you're tempted to lose heart. It's, it's natural. Paul says, though, when that, he starts to lose, when he sees those deteriorations in his own body, he doesn't lose heart because he knows that the inner person, he's being renewed in Christ every single day. Paul continues, he says this, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison because we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. So there's a lot in these couple of verses here but he says this, he compares and contrasts this earth, this world, to the next. And he says, for this slight momentary affliction, that when he experiences pain in his body, deterioration in his body, he remembers this is a slight moment. It's a a slight momentary affliction, especially compared to, and because it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Love that phrase. An eternal weight of glory. We tend to think of heaven as wispy and thin and less than this earth. But what Paul is saying in this phrase here is, no, heaven has a weight to it. There's a weight to glory, and it's, there's a, a concreteness to it. There's a weight to the glory that is eternal for us in heaven. Then down here he says, for the things that are seen are transient, that whenever you look at this world, it is temporary, it is transitional, it is passing away. What you see with your eyes, it's passing away. But the things that are unseen, that's eternal. That lasts forever. Paul continues, he says this, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made of hands, eternal in the heavens. So Paul now compares this earthly body we all have, this mortal body, to a tent. Tents are good, but they're really only temporary housing. Paul knew all about tents. He was a tent maker. And a, and a, Paul, and a tent is, is good temporary housing. If you're going camping and you want to keep out the wind and the rain and stay safe, then it's good to have a tent, but no one wants to live in a tent. Personally, I don't even want to camp in a tent. Like I, I understand the appeal of you know of, of being outside and of looking at the stars and having a fire and of going on hikes. But I want to be in a building at the end of the day. I want to be in my bed, right? All right. But some of you you like camping. That's good. But but no one wants to live in a tent. And Paul says this body we have. It's like a tent. It's temporary. It's fragile. God is going to give us a building that you are gonna get in heaven, a resurrected body, that just as Jesus rose from the dead and has a resurrected body, you too will have a resurrected body in heaven, and that resurrected body is like a building as compared to your body right now, which is like a tent. He continues and says this, here indeed we groan and long to put on our heavenly dwelling so that by putting it on, we may not be found naked. So Paul says we groan. 
that right now, because you're in this temporary tent, this temporary body, you groan, you long for the resurrected body. That word groan there in the Greek means hopeful, longing. Then we need to deal with this phrase. So that by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Now, I thought about just skipping over this other metaphor that Paul uses. So he uses the metaphor of the tent. Now he uses his metaphor of being, you know, of clothing and naked. We'll see that in a second. And I thought about just skipping over it because the only thing more uncomfortable about talking about death in church might be talking about being naked in church. Um, and I was ready to skip over it, but then I just thought about it a little more and a couple of thoughts came to my mind. And, and the first one was this, is that I know for many people, they love clothes. Like some of you, you love to go clothes shopping. You love to put on new clothes. Um, personally, I like ratty old T-shirts and, and shirts. The only reason I wear these untucked shirts is because the team here said, we got to do something about your clothes, Tom. You know, like we, we got to do something about that. So if you're speaking or presenting, you, you need something better. So that's the only reason I have this. But some of you, you, you love clothes. And you love to go clothes shopping. And I think that's a hint of the divine in you, the divine spark, that you loved the, the desire for new clothes and to be clothed in new things is really a desire to be clothed in God's glory, a desire for a resurrected body. Now, if that describes you, that's not an excuse to go out and blow your budget. Just, just want to say that right now. I don't want to get in trouble, but it's a hint of the divine. The other thought I had of this was that you know, many people have the dream of, of being like naked in public or, not, or just being like out in your underwear in public. I've had that dream many, many times. I mean, who out here has had that dream? Don't raise your hand, but, right? And, and in the dream, like you're all of a sudden, you're in a public place, you might got a party or you're at work and you're like, what happened? How did I get here? And psychologists will tell us that, well, that dream is a fear of being exposed. And I can believe that. But I also think there's more to it. I think that that dream is that a longing we have to be clothed in God's glory when we receive a resurrected body. And the reason I believe that is because the book of Genesis tells us this, that when Adam and Eve sinned, our first parents sinned, what did it say? Their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked and they went and they sewed fig leaves together. And what theologians and scholars from, 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 from centuries have said is that when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, they lost the glory of God. And so the longing of the human heart is to be clothed again in God's glory. Paul continues, he says, for while we are still in this tent, this earthly body, we sigh with anxiety. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So Paul says that while we're in this earthly tent, this earthly body, we sigh with anxiety. You, know, you sigh for a couple of reasons. Sometimes you sigh because you're just relaxed, right? You get to the end of the day, you go sit on the porch, your porch or your back deck or your favorite chair and you Maybe you have a beverage and you relax, you sigh. Next week I'm going on vacation and I know after you know, packing up and moving the whole family and driving, driving to the beach, when we finally get in and get settled out, I will go out and I'll smell that salt air and I'll just sigh being relaxed. 
But sometimes we sigh and we don't know why. Again, recently I've been sighing a lot. My wife and me is like, why are you sighing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm sighing. And Paul would say, I know. You sigh because you long. You long to be clothed with God's glory. You long to be swallowed up. What is mortal, this body, longs to be swallowed up by life. I love that phrase. In other words, you long to be swallowed up or enveloped or engulfed by God's grace and God's love and God's glory, and you will have that in your resurrected body. And you already have the Holy Spirit in you as a Christian. You already have the Holy Spirit in you as a guarantee of that future glory and what's going to happen. We'll conclude these verses, or we'll look, these last verses we'll look at are these from 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. So we are always of good courage. So Paul says this, hey, even when I, I think about death, I think about my body deteriorating, we're always of good courage. We Christians, we are always of good courage because we know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. In other words, we don't quite have this incredible life we're gonna have. For we walk by faith and not by sight. It goes back to what we said at the beginning. What we see is transitional, it is transitory. What we cannot see with our eyes, but we can only see through eyes of faith, through the gift of faith, we walk by that. We move into the future with faith in what we can't see, not with what our eyes can see. So as we wrap up this message and wrap up the series, what are, what are we to do with all this? Well, in wrapping up this message, you know, this is a, kind of a big teaching, you know, and I just want to say, I know for some people, this is brand new news. You're like, you know, I, I knew that Christianity is about living forever. I didn't know it was about, or I knew that was a part of the beliefs, but I didn't know you, you got a body. I thought you became an angel or a spirit. No, the promise of Christianity, of following Jesus, is that you will have a resurrected body in heaven. And even for, maybe you knew that, you know, that's why we say in the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body. And for some of you, you're like, well, I knew that, but now this whole analogy is of the tent and the clothing, and maybe you want to think some more on that. So I'd encourage you to read 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. That might be your takeaway today. For all of us, though, I think these verses from 2 Corinthians, as we go into whatever transitions that are coming up soon in our lives, coming up in our lives, are great words to memorize and take into our next journey, whatever the new season is. So what I want us to do is to begin to maybe memorize these verses together. So we're gonna say this out loud and we're gonna do it a few times, okay? So say it with me. So we are always of good carriage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. All right, we're gonna do it again, but we're gonna emphasize that word always. So we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to emphasize the word good courage this time. So we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. One last time, and we're going to emphasize that word faith. So we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. You might want to write that these, these words down right now. You want to get your phone and take a picture of it on, on your screen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. And so maybe, you know, if you love going clothes shopping, and the next time you go clothes shopping, you might want to just say this, you know, we're always of good courage. 
for we walk by faith and not by sight. Or maybe as you're getting dressed this week, you want to say, as you put on your clothes, and especially if you're going towards a transition, we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Maybe if you're going camping this summer and you're setting up that tent, you can say, as you said, we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Or if your kids have a little play tent, you can be, as you're setting it up for them and they go into play, you can be speaking these words over your kids. Do you know we are always of good courage because we walk by faith and not by sight? Isn't this an awesome way to live? For us to go whatever transitions of life, because they keep on coming and they keep on coming and there is this ultimate transition to live with courage. That's the promise of Christianity. We're always of good courage for we walk by faith and not by sight. We pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words from St. Paul. And because of the victory of your son who conquered sin and death, we can always be of good courage. He's taking care of our biggest problem. And so we can always have good courage. Help us to walk by faith and sight and not by sight. And God, pray for maybe people today who are thinking or feeling, I, I want to put my faith and trust in you, Jesus, for the first time. Help them in their hearts just to say, Lord, I put my faith and trust by you. I want to walk by faith and not by sight. So God, help us to live every transition we encounter with good courage and faith and trust in you. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.